Welcome to the Power Your Life radio show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. And I'm Dr. Joanne White, and it's a pleasure to be here. And it's a double pleasure to have a very special guest that I've interviewed before, and I adore this person, this very beautiful person, Sarah Krennic. She has a beautiful story, and oftentimes we feel different. We may feel out of place. I know I felt like that when I was younger, very different. And and the beauty is to be able to take that information, those feelings, that being different, and being able to do something with it to help other people who also may feel like they they don't belong or or being different and to really help them feel respected, admired, and to really celebrate their differences and who they are. And I'm speaking of a wonderful person, like I said, Farrah Krennic, who really does that with people. She's a model, an actress, and an activist, and a game changer in the entertainment industry, not just because of where she's come from, but most importantly, where she's headed. Born and raised and educated in New York, Farrah comes from a unique and diverse European background. She's appeared in Orange is the New Black, Saturday Night Live, Nurse Jackie, Law and Order, to name just a few. Her films include Sisters with Amy Poehler, Taking of Pelham, Dogs, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, and the the taking, sorry about this, taking of Pelham 123, it was missing there. Her principal role on the TV series Billions is as a big, mean woman, which she'll tell us about. Sarah found the need for a voice at a very early age when she was often mistaken and teased as a boy. Her journey is one of change while shining a light on acceptance. Sarah has taken her love of acting and developed a strong voice for those who've had a hard time fitting in. She says, be proud, stand tall. Sarah inspires people to love themselves through her thriving acting career and her activism. In addition, she's been working with Sir Ivan Wilzig, American songwriter, dance pop recording artist, and philanthropist on anti-bullying and helping all LGBT charities for their important causes. Welcome, my friend, Sarah Krennic. How are you? <laughs> Good morning, Dr. Joanne. How are you? Fine, thank you. Thank you so much for having me again. It's I hope you're not my bored pleasure. yet. Because... <laughs> I love what you're doing, and I want to go back a little bit to when you were younger and talk about what was going on then and why you felt the need to do something and and how that's been translated into into some of the activist work that you're doing now. Uh, well, probably one of the main reasons why um, I do what I do, and uh, people say, what character are you trying to portray on screen? And I say, I'm trying to just portray myself, is because um, I came from a generation, my generation still, or people know it as Generation X, 
Um, being different, you know, uh, being a girl that looked masculine or being a girl that dressed like a boy, um, or however you want to categorize it, was just something that wasn't heard of. And you were not accepted, and it wasn't something cool, and it wasn't something that was in. And God knows I wasn't doing it for any of those reasons. I was just being me. But, um, you know, there there was no excuse. There was no explanation. People just didn't want to hear it. And then I grew up with this. And, um, you know, going to school every day, I felt like I was going to work. It was just, you know, survive another day, survive another day. But um, I I realized that one day I was uh, sitting at home, and I was watching TV, and I, I remember just this this flashback came and I was thinking all these years of watching TV and not once have I ever seen a girl that looks like me. So, uh, you know, I started looking into TV more, more intensely and searching for a character. And I, you know, of course I would see men that resembled me, but never a woman. So then, uh, I said one day, well, okay, I'm not going to look for her anymore. I'm just going to become her. And I wanted to have a voice for all the women out there that were like me. I knew there were somewhere. I didn't know where, but, um, I said, well, uh, maybe one day I'll be on screen and you'll see me and you'll say, she understands. She's just like me. So that's what I'm still trying to do to this day. You know, I think you're doing a great job of that. And I think it's important to have different faces who represent all of who we, you know, they're, we're we're vast, we're complex, we're we're very divergent and diverse in so many ways. And it's important that we have models and people that we can emulate in some way that are, like you say, that are there and we say, yeah, she's representing me. She's representing who I am, what I stand for, and that's really important. You and I were talking before the show about how technology has <laughs> shifted us and probably so many people. What's, what do you think is the difference in terms of youth and in terms of the different generations because of this technological influence? Uh, I really do think, and and I love how you say the word shift. It's uh, such a delicate word compared to what's actually really happened. Uh, You know, I don't get me wrong. I do like modern technology. I do like what it has done. Uh, At one point, when it first started, it was fun. And uh, it was something new and and something really, it was a whole new world. You know, even I remember uh, being in the second grade and the coolest thing that we did in computer class, which was only once a week on Fridays, uh, we learned how to make a square. Um, And now it's taken over everything. Now it's taken over uh, hearing someone's voice. Now it's taken over uh, making an order. Now it's taken over going to the store. It's replaced everything. So unfortunately, uh, this technology that we have today is not entertaining. It's just ruining us. And we have become so desensitized to human beings that it's no wonder why people are doing what they're doing. The value you know, of human it's, life it's, is not there anymore. Right. It's more like, where's where's my phone? Where's <laughs> You well, know, exactly, I remember... Go ahead. Uh, that uh, you could have some people can have, uh, let's just say, five million followers, right? And that's an international superstar. Uh, they have followers, but they're not thinking of these followers as people. They're just looking at a number. So if for whatever reason they lose one person, that really doesn't mean anything because they're still in the millions of people that are following them. They don't view. Um, a number as a person that's saying, oh, my, my, you know, my number is rising or, or this is how many fans I have. See, this is what I try to tell people that um, really when they don't understand, you know, what it's like to be a celebrity or the definition of a celebrity. 
And I tell them, you don't have to be on the red carpet to be a celebrity. Um, what you have to do is to have an influence in someone's life and a good influence and, 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 and be there. You can be a celebrity in your own town. You know, you don't have to be on TV. Everybody will know you for something that you've done. So uh, when I try to tell this to people, they still don't believe me because they think that the only way to be famous and the only way to make a difference in the world, you know, is to have all that glitz and glamour. And uh, that's just not the case. You know, I totally agree with you because I think it's so important to make a difference in other people's lives. And I believe that that's one of the reasons why we're here in this physical body form. And what I was going to say earlier is that I, I remember going to Thanksgiving with my family and everybody's taking out their phones. Nobody's communicating. Uh, and I hate that. We, had, we actually had to get to a time where, okay, cell phones away. Let's let's connect. Let's do what we used yeah. to do. And it's just such a stark difference that, like you said, where you know, there where's the relationship? Where's the connection? And when there isn't that connection, as you so beautifully put, then then we don't feel close to people. We see people as numbers, as you said, rather than yeah. as human beings and rather than really val valuing and validating their humanness and their connection. So I think that's important. You've been doing so much in terms of advocacy and really helping people love and support who they are. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing with that because I think it's so very important and I honor you for that. Well, uh, uh, thank you, Joanna. Um, I really, you know, when people say, when people thank me for something like that, really, I, um, I don't understand what they're thanking me for because really, if you can't appreciate somebody for who they are as they are, well, what is it that you're expecting? Um, I think the greatest gift that anybody can give uh, is the gift of themselves. And once they realize how beautiful they are, see, the thing is, we are our worst judges. And the purpose of my blogging, the purpose of uh, my social media, or sometimes when I do reach out to people and when I speak to them, and, it, you know, I don't like phrases like uh, life coach or motivational speaker because, truthfully, you're not motivating them for anything and you're not coaching them in anything. You're, you're helping them understand who they are. Uh, you know, and I say to them, why is it so easy for you to love a complete stranger that you just saw on screen for one episode or one series and you're completely in love with them? And yet you're somebody you've lived with your whole life, and you hate yourself. What makes that person so much better? Um, people fail to see uh, the beauty that they have, and they find it so easy to compliment things about other people. And I think that um, inner beauty is the most easiest thing that you can find. See, working in the entertainment industry, uh, you very regarding relationships. Uh, this, uh, this is a blessing and a curse. You very rapidly learn who loves you for you. You learn, you really understand the definition of pure love, and you know what that is because, I mean, you deal with so much fake every day, you know. Um, and also, uh, the misfortune of this is you'll also very quickly learn who was never your friend to begin with. So um, these are the things. This is all all of the pain that I, you know, from my childhood or from being bullied and, and from being misunderstood. I think that um, instead of 
just complaining about it or just feeling sorry for myself or not doing anything about it. I said, no, I, I can use this. You know, I, I can use this as a very strong platform. And um, I, the first thing that I'll tell anybody is that, uh, well, I promise you that no matter what you have to say, it's not something that I wouldn't understand. I think the reason why people don't speak out is because they're embarrassed. Right. And that, well, you know, I think embarrassment is part of it and the self-consciousness. And also I think that they're afraid of being judged for standing up for a particular, you know, particular perspective or viewpoint. What if somebody doesn't like me because I've said such and such or I believe such and such? And again, I think it gets back to loving ourselves or not loving ourselves and just accept it. If we accept, like you said, I'm going to take that strain for a little bit. If we accept and love and embrace who we are, it really doesn't matter how other people view us because we feel whole and complete within ourselves. So I think that's that's really very important. What are you doing with Sir Ivan Wilzig? Did I pronounce his name right? Yes, yes, you did. Uh, well, Sir Ivan um, is a very dear friend. Uh, he's a very close friend, and uh, one of the reasons why he and I get along famously is because we both have the same mission uh, regarding, um, well, when I say helping, people can help in so many different ways, but here is a person, um, an artist, who actually dedicates, he devotes his life and his music to helping others. Basically, um, everything that he does, every every word that he sings, um, is dedicated to help a charity, uh, mostly charities um, that, that are for anti-violence, uh, PTSD. But he's very generous to our LGBT community. And uh, actually, one of his latest songs, uh, which was featuring uh, Debbie Gibson, uh, titled I Am Peace Man, um, listening to his lyrics, it's as if he tells his story. It's as if he tells his mission. What is he here for? And whenever I hear of someone that lives to help others, lives to inspire others, and just wants to make other people's lives better, uh, you know, I, uh, I consider us a team because we're all doing something in our way. And this is his way. He does it through music. Um, if he is, go- if the Peace Man Foundation, which was founded by him, if that is Googled or under um, under his website, uh, you can read a lot more about it. You can um, understand uh, the, why he started this, where this came from, um, and it's actually a very beautiful story. And to hear a family of his uh, that are survivors and today are just looking at the world and saying, "Well, uh, we survived the worst, and we're going to give the best of us," that really is a beautiful story on its own. And I think that's the way that that's, it should be with everyone. You know, I I totally agree, and that that is a beautiful story. I, what involvement do you have with the uh, foundation, the Peace and well, Foundation? Well, first uh, about promoting his work, and uh, of course, to, when I when I attend any type of uh, charity event, when I attend any type of uh, red carpet gala, um, his work is always introduced. And I especially over the summer, uh, the past summer, I had been. Uh, trying to incorporate his music, uh, usually at any of the LGBT events, uh, to the DJs, to the people, because basically what I needed people to understand was when they listen to his music, they're supporting our community. Um, He has been extremely generous in so many ways uh, to many of the LGBT uh, charities, and he's the type of person that would never want to see anybody uh, worried, wanting, or in need. And I think that by doing this, uh, he not only shows what a wonderful person that he is, but he also honors his family. Because if you if you read his story, if you read 
um, you know, how his family, they were survivors from World War II, and um, today are able to express such beauty in art and in music, um, you would really understand and see that this is something that makes you live on forever. It's the same thing like uh, when you are an actor or when you are a writer or an artist or anything, and it doesn't matter what you do in life. You know that saying, uh, no matter what you do, be good. Um, mm-hmm. the, you know, when you leave your mark by doing something, that means that you've impacted someone's life. You've saved someone's life. Sometimes you don't have to do anything but listen, and you realize that you've changed someone for the better. And that kindness and that love is recycled into another person. And that person is also going to give that same kindness to someone else. It was like, uh, I think the last time I spoke with you, I mentioned to you my favorite poem by um, by Mother Teresa. It was called Do It Anyway. And uh, okay. this is also something that if, um, uh, if anybody wants to Google, the poem by Mother Teresa, Do It Anyway, she basically starts discussing things that you will do and people will do the opposite. The good that you do will be erased. Do good anyway. Um, if you if you help someone, or they might forget it tomorrow. Help someone anyway. And and in the final analysis, the contract is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. So uh, funny moments ago, you were talking about judgment. And whenever somebody talks about judgment or they try to judge me, you know, I always say, when did God resign? When did you take over? <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm sorry, because I'm just fascinated how people can so quickly, or sometimes I feel like I'm in a courtroom. Um, We're not here for that. And if, uh, for whatever reason, somebody finds it necessary to be like that, well, uh, you're just better off without them. You know, it's really important to to do it anyway, because we do something, we help people because we feel compelled to do that and we're not thinking of, of of being able to get accolades or or thanking or somebody thanking us it's it's to me it's instinctive if in us it's something that if somebody needs help i i want to reach out and i'm and i'm not going to hesitate i'm going to i'm going to act on it without thinking about fame or fortune or or accolades or whatever and and so i think that that's so right on given fame the four letter word <laughs> Given the climate of our, not just our country, but the world and whatever, what do you think is necessary? What do we need to do to really transform people into do it, do it anyway, be kind, be loving, and, 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 and let go of that judgment? Um, less social media, more social interaction. And when I say less social media, I'd rather say no social media. But I know that it is necessary, you know, to a certain extent. See, I, I don't have a problem if I have to send a message or text somebody uh, or I'm running late. You know, I'll be there in five minutes. You know, that's fine. But when that is completely changed, transformed into an only form of communication, um, I think that's when people become completely desensitized. For example, celebrities um, often ask, you know, well, what can we do? How can we help people? And I've I've spoken um, to many actors, and I've said to them, well, you know, in, you know, less red carpet events and more real life events. You know, there, there are certain magazines that take pictures of celebrities or A-list actors that they're at a bagel shop, you know, having a bagel, or they take pictures of them if they're eating ice cream walking through the park. You know, to show it's it's actually sad how they have to prove yes, we're you know they are real people. 
uh, you know, I think if people make themselves more available, things become more real. But if it's something that is unreachable, this is probably one of the reasons why fans go crazy if they see their favorite actor at an airport or if they see um, uh, someone out in public because it's not, you know, they need to, I, I think we're at a point where we need to educate the youth and showing them the difference between what's real and what's not. You know, they, they're all, they act all big and tough when they're online, you know, using caps to yell at people uh, on the Internet, and they don't even know who they're yelling at. And I promise you, if that person were to show up right in front of them, they wouldn't even know what to say. Amazing. Tell us a little bit about the TV series Billions and your role. You said your role is a big mean woman. Yes. <laughs> well, well, I had, I had, yeah. I uh, first uh, before anything else, I always laugh at the, the roles that I'm, I'm given, you know, because uh, you know I, I would never dare tell production that I'm scared of the dark. But uh, but uh, I'm always given these, uh, you know, the junkie inmate, uh, perpetrator or criminal uh, type of roles. And I, I'm flattered because I don't care if it's a stereotype. By all means, uh, as long as I'm working, I'm happy. Uh, but the thing is that uh, when I was called for this, and um, uh, because this is in the, in the upcoming season, uh, it's coming up season three, so I won't uh, give any spoilers regarding the episode, but it's just, uh, you know, when I was called for this, of course, I was very flattered and very eternally thankful. And um, it just actually, when I was speaking with um, the director, you know, in between takes, and I was meeting the other cast members, uh, one of them said, you know, wow, you're really nice. And then I, I didn't know how to respond to that because they see they, they were, <laughs> it must have been like some judgment from a picture or from the description. And you know, and uh, I, I think I responded something like, I promise you, I don't kill dinner. Because it's just, uh, it, it's really, um, I, I have to laugh at it, and I'm, I'm so thankful, and they were so, they were so generous to invite me for the season, and I certainly hope that we'll be working again in the near future. But, um, yeah, it's, it's this type of thing that when you as an actor are immediately categorized a certain way, and then people meet you, uh, they realize that it's usually the exact opposite. Um, you know, for example, uh, one of the number one things that people confuse acting and really they say well you have no problem smiling for the camera you know or or, or you seem so uh so bright on the camera or you do act differently yes i said but that's acting you know uh when it's real life it's something completely different uh, when you encounter someone of course a different side of you comes out and um i i just think that this is something that many people fail to see uh but it's funny <laughs> very entertaining because we've met um, you and I have met, and, and we've gotten along famously and spoken over the years. And I'm pretty sure that if somebody were to, I don't know, if you heard that I got a role as a serial killer, you would never stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still laughing. <laughs> now, how do you handle that? I mean, I know you said you're very grateful to have the work or whatever, but how, oh, yes. you have, you know, you you have to sort of get into that role. So there has to be something in terms of your mind and your and what you're doing to create that serial killer whatever. How do you go from that to to being the most beautiful person, sweet, loving and caring person that you are? Oh, you're a darling. <laughs> really, I, I wish I could hug you right now. Uh, no, it's uh, the thing is that when you are in a position like that, and I would have to say that today, I most would agree with me. Uh, probably portraying an insane role, 
um, or some type of a serial killer is probably not that difficult because, unfortunately, uh, this is something that, you see, it's all about observing. Whoever says that you can't, I mean, there are many actors that can, for example, switch immediately and go from kind and loving to a murderer. You know, and there are people that sometimes have to really study or sometimes they go to prisons or sometimes they uh, do interviews with a certain criminal if they're supposed to portray that role just to, to, to try to to understand more. I mean, I remember uh, when uh, Charlize Theron uh, did the movie Monster, you know, she, uh-huh. had to re- she had to really study Eileen Warnos. You know, she was seeing footage of her. She was seeing, I mean, and uh, she even gained weight for the role, which was something that was, you know, wasn't, requested but she did it because she really wanted to do the character justice and if you've seen the film i mean it was an amazing movie um right. really she i mean she she was she was very scary you know she did an amazing job um here it's not really difficult if you have to portray something that's darker or something that's good because that's unfortunately so much of what we see surrounding us today um i have become so immune to the news then unfortunately, if I turn on the news and I hear of another school shooting, I'm angry at myself for having this reaction because I just, you know, I just, I just keep drinking my coffee. You know, there's no, it's become, unfortunately, it's become a part of us now that we, I don't think we expect any better. So seeing all of the suffering and then, um, you know, when I take, when I go back to my, my years of of, uh, of childhood and when I was a teenager and when I was being bullied and and all of a sudden, the, the, all of those expressions that I couldn't give back then that I was keeping inside, you know, that's probably uh, something that comes out in a look that I give that's probably vicious on screen or probably something that is intimidating on screen. Um, so it's it's a combination of things that are happening in your surroundings and things that have happened to you in the past. Well, I can't believe that that you watch something like the shootings or whatever and are and are not affected by it even just a little bit. You know, I don't I I understand where you're coming from that that there's so much violence and hatred and judgment and whatever going on that that somehow I guess it's a protective measure for ourselves so we're not just totally black crying all the time to see you know what's all the destruction and and malaise that's going on but you have a very a very tender heart and and you've been through bullying and and you know you've devoted much of your your life to to helping other people and to to advocating and being an activist so i i can't imagine you you just not responding that's me. Well, you? no, you're right. I I do respond, but more in a way that um, at this point it's um, not so much, you know, where did it happen, but more of a what can I do? Because well, that's um, it. It, it. It comes to a point where um, I wish that because the the thing that that disturbs me most about these shootings um, is the fact that aside from talking about it for months at a time and in the end doing nothing, and then it happens again after a short period of time, clearly proves that uh, whoever's in charge or whoever's doing the media coverage or whoever's doing the news is not, I mean, clearly it's not enough. People have to take action. They need to stop talking about it um, on the Internet. They need to stop talking about it on the news, and they need to physically appear and do something. Um, I, if, you, if you look back in history and you, and you remember what school used to be like. 
Um, truthfully, you did not see this years ago. This is really something that has happened. Um, I mean, this is something that is going on mostly with this generation. Um, the, these shootings, I mean, the fact that there have been so many, I just, uh, you don't know where to start. You don't know which family to call first to help them mourn. You don't know which funeral to go to. So it, it, it's getting to be too much. And then you're thinking to yourself, well, there has to be something that I can do. So if I had a message to send out to anybody that had any type of influence or um, any type of power or any form of mobility to get to places, just like uh, when uh, when people are trying to promote a film or a book, they go from state to state. I really think that this is a mission that we should consider doing. Uh, because it's time it's time actually to to stop and talk to people it's uh, not talk about it on the news because turning your tv is uh, turning on your tv is easy and turning it off is easier um i think you really can't ignore someone when they're right in front of you so this is the only this is the only form that i see happening well i think what in response to the shooting in florida i think the beauty uh, is that these students are rallying together and deciding no more and really yes. determined to shift legislation and to get not just legislators but people to sit up and listen and and really pay attention and it's interesting i just question how much longer is it going to take though <laughs> because uh, how much more well, how many I more agree, accidents are going to happen so, but maybe this is it. You know, maybe who who knows? I, I I totally agree with you. And the sad thing is, Farah, that these school shootings are primarily in the United States. So what does that say, yes. too? Um, that's, yes. that's frightening. Yes. Well, you have a you have an international world uh, that has seen horrible wars. You've seen countries that have have seen children dying of starvation. You know, and uh, you don't see things like these. So I just also, um, one of the things that I remember, um, you know, one of my um, inspirations, aside from Mother Teresa, also Princess Diana, was that um, they were, they, you know, they were both trying to raise awareness on mental health. And this is something that, um, that also the royals are doing now, uh, speaking up about mental right. health, because this is something that really isn't addressed as much. Um, I do think that something went terribly wrong. Uh, over the years, I do think that, you know, I can't pinpoint, I don't know if it's technology, I don't know if it's upbringing, it could be a combination of the both. But I do think that a lot of the the reasons why these teenagers do what they do, it could be a combination of isolation or, um, or just just the fact that they are so involved behind a screen, that they really have no real connection with other human beings that they just find that this is the need to make themselves heard. There's no explanation or no justification as to what they do, but being that they are of this generation, is this, this is the only thing that I can think of. Clearly, the environment has affected them. Clearly, technology has affected them, that all of a sudden they think that they're just, it's like a one-man war for them. And um, I'm pretty sure that if, if you were to speak with a family member of theirs uh, or whoever, um, I'm not saying this one in particular, but the ones from the past, they would probably describe them as the exact opposite. Um, right. And that's 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 pain because I'm pretty sure they never would have thought that their child was capable of doing something like that. So, you know, I'm mourning for the families off, every day. I'm going to go a little bit off topic, but related to things that are happening in the world. I heard that that in a few short months, and I hope I'm correct with this, that South Africa is going to run out of water. I mean, hello. And then about 
few months ago, I saw some people who they're not there trying to figure out how to get water to to people in South Africa, but they're looking at, well, how do I profit from the lack of water? So how do I get behind that in a way that's going to benefit me rather than seeing, well, there, there's something going on here that we need to help, we need to get on board, we need to fix, we need to rally around because no one – should be without water. I mean, you know, basic human needs need to be met all over the globe. So things like that really get me going, including shooting. It's like, where are we in terms of being so indifferent? And I'm, and I don't just mean to human life. I mean to all life. To being so indifferent to life and to the blessing that life can be, and to the treasure that that each one of us is, and and without really doing anything like you say but just kind of watching it and and seeing it as though it's you know it's it's like another movie screen another movie well Sorry, regarding uh, you, no 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 regarding the um you had mentioned followers see i think that people in general or any let's say when we were discussing artists and uh followers i'm pretty sure that they would feel a lot differently about their fans if they actually met the one million fans, if they actually saw them, you know, in an audience, or if they, um, if they were actually, to, if they were able to meet at least a few of them. But the problem is that people are viewed as numbers now, and you know, if you lose one number, well, it's okay. You still have the X amount that are there, you know. So uh, I, I think that this also probably is a huge difference in, as, as to how um, celebrities are today compared to what they were, say, 50 years ago. I mean, I'm pretty sure um, when Elizabeth Taylor, I mean, she she had a world that adored her. And right. uh, her interaction, uh, she was also one that was heavily involved with so many important causes, so many charities. She dedicated, um, you know, she dedicated her life to that. And especially um, her awareness you know she was doing charities to raise awareness about aids and so on um the her, the way that she was uh, carried herself so gracefully so elegantly if you really see uh many artists today it can't possibly compare so there clearly is a difference there you know as to even how she, how she spoke to people um her mannerisms and so on so what do you what do you want to see in terms of celebrities that really have have so many followers and so many people interested in in, in what they're doing and what they're saying? What what kind of platform or or what do you want them to be doing more, like Elizabeth Taylor, to make a difference and to help change our world? Uh, to uh, I mean, okay, I can't say don't post on social media because that's a given. You have to. I understand that you have to. But instead of spending so much time on social media, spend more time interacting with people. Spend more time going um, going to the shelters, going to the hospitals, going to the orphanages, visiting families. Uh, they have the mobility and they do have the power. If they were to announce that they um, wanted to, say, visit five or six uh, families of the victims, this is just an example, I'm right. more than sure that they would be able to do it. You know, um, make yourself real. Make yourself a part of the people. Don't just make yourself a picture on the computer. Don't make yourself something that can only be Googled. Let these people that see you say that they know you, they met you, and, and that you're wonderful. Because this is how we make a difference. Um, 
the, that's the only analogy or the, the only thought that I can. It's almost as if um, some, somebody were to say, how would you feel if a surgery was performed by a robot as opposed to a human being? You know, people don't Which really like that. Which very <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> I know. they they actually and I'm not... have the uh, chef. There's a robot chef. Have you seen that? Yes. They have a uh, they actually have a chef that they, uh, or you you I don't know what you have to put in uh, what type of a command that you have to give it, but it's literally a robot chef. It can prepare certain uh, certain foods and certain meals. Well, I, I'm going to tell you a really quick story. I went in for a dental appointment and they had to get X-rays, whatever. And the doctor comes in. She she. She doesn't really say hello. She looks at the screen. She does. It's a dentist now, mind you. She doesn't look in my mouth. She's looking at the screen and and not paying attention to me. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with this picture? And you know, I actually asked the um, the place because it had a lot of different dentists. I said, I said next time for my appointment, I want someone else. I want someone that I want a dentist that really will go back to looking in your mouth. I mean, it's great to look at the screen and whatever, but but where is that human touch? Or it, yeah. it that just floored me. It was like what what you um, and you call yourself a uh, you know, I hope uh, she's human, uh, the, <laughs> I hope she is. Baby, I hope she you know, is. <laughs> I hope she is. Um, you know, right now it's gotten to the point where uh, technology is so advanced that if someone wanted to live in the rest of their live for the rest of their lives in their apartment, they could, because not only talk about work from home, but you can have everything delivered to your home from clothing to food. And uh, even now, I, I don't know, uh, you know, I'm sure there must be, there's an app for everything, but uh, I'm pretty sure that at, the, at some point you could even, if you needed medical attention or if you, some, somebody could come to your home. So um, it's literally isolating people from exploring the outdoors. You know, now you look at the amount of children that are sick. There are so many sick children nowadays. It's like, it's every, every child has something allergic to something or they can't do something um and you know the parents are compared they're they're worried they're seeing that the child is pale or he's not breathing well have you taken him outside in the past year or is the ipad the only form of entertainment that you know this child has so um sometimes the answer is right in front of them they just don't see it right now we're getting ready to close a little bit but you have had a beautiful career you you are still going strong, and what would you do differently, not just in acting, but if anything, in acting in your life? Is there anything that you would do that's different from what you're doing now, and also where do you want to be in the future? Well, uh, you know, every single time someone asks me or they say, you know, if, oh, if you were to go back in time, what would you do differently? And I always create this novel in my mind, and I create this mini series, you know, the new and improved Farah, and I would have done, I would have done so many different things and the things that I would have avoided and things. And then uh, when I create that in my mind, and then I, all of a sudden I stop and I say, yeah, but had I not done, you know, A, B, and C. I would not have been taken to where I am now. I would have not come across the things that I came across 
you know, because of all of those mistakes and because of all of those things that I wish that I could just erase from my past. Because don't get me wrong, I, I would swear to you, oh my God, if I could get rid of one part of my life, it would be that, you know, and then I and then I stop and I think, yeah, but had that not happened, then this wouldn't have happened. So it's it's a it's a love hate relationship that I have with my mind, you know, when I go back and, and think about the things that have happened. But um, I really do think it's safe to say that I would not change a thing. That's um, beautiful. Really you know, I think I think you made a, an important point here because because even our, through our mistakes and and I've made many, we learn from that, and hopefully those mistakes help us to to correct something or to do something differently within our own lives or something so that we're not repeating it. And I think that we're not perfect. We don't need to be perfect. But to be able to have some way of reflecting on our lives and saying, well, I can't go back and redo something, nor would, but, but look what I've learned from this. Look how it's grown me in some way and has shifted me and, and made me the better person that I am today. So I think that's important. Sarah E. Kranick, you are incredible. What would, what would you like to leave our audience with, our listeners, and tell people how they can get a hold of you, how, could they, how they can find your beautiful work, et cetera? Uh, well, uh, everybody can, uh, if they'd like to, uh, can follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, uh, personal page, fan page, uh, any page. There's always a way to reach me, uh, just under Farrah Krennic. And um, also, uh, you can catch me in the upcoming season of Billions, uh, which should be soon. <laughs> so uh, it, who knows, maybe some people will get a good laugh at seeing that one. Uh, but my message to to everybody or anybody who's um, who's listening right now is um, we as a world, we as people, uh, we're in a lot of trouble uh, right now. And now is not the time to just think or talk. Um, it's time to do. And I think that we, uh, we, if we come together and we come to some f- sort of compromise that, yes, people do need help, okay, we've talked about it, let's do something. Uh, listen to your neighbor, listen to your friends, listen to your family. Um, if you have free time, uh, you know, instead of doing something destructive, go help people. Find out if you can get involved with some kind of charity. Get involved with uh, volunteer work. I mean, uh, God knows uh, all around the world there are doctors that do missionary work. You know, you as a person can do so much. Uh, go to schools. Uh, ask a principal or ask a, a guidance counselor if they would like to have a speaker during the week, because your voice can be heard. You don't have to be a celebrity to do that. And um, my point is that the greatest gift that you can give anyone is the gift of yourself, your true self. You know, not saying what you do as a profession, because everybody does something, but what do you do as a human being? What's your purpose here? Because, you know, we all do something for work. We all do something, um, you know, to, to make a living. But that's important, too. But, you know, there are a lot of hours in the day. And you don't spend 24 hours doing that. Make sure that you also spend time helping others. And that's the only way that we can get through this because um, you don't want to have reactions when you hear some tragedy in the news and you're just thinking, yeah, well, I wouldn't expect any better. You're right. I don't expect any better, but I'm going to make it better. And that's that should be your mission in life. So don't think and that I you love don't have that. a voice because and you're not on I the love red you. carpet. <laughs> I love you as well, Dr. Well, Joanne. I do. Thank you so much, Farrah Krennic, and thank you for 
all that you do to help so many people, and we'll have you on again and again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Joanne. Talk to you soon, my dear. Thank you, and thanks, yes, everybody. Have a care. great day. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Sarah. Remember what she said because it is so important to firstly value yourself and value that you as an individual can make such a difference in other people's lives. And and as Farrah Krenick said, do something. Take action rather than being on the sidelines and, and watching it. We can make a difference. We can make a difference with our world, with our neighbors, with our communities, within our own, our families, with our own lives, and it's so very important to do so. This show is called Power Your Life because you have the power and can be empowered. Your voice can make a difference and can be heard. However, you have to recognize that you are powerful and you have the ability to create change. Speaking of change, next week, February 28th, we're going to have Melanie Greenberg on. And if you've missed any of this segment with Sarah Krenick on Power Your Life, you can find it on Blog Talk Radio and also on my website, docdocwhit.org. And on there, there's also articles and other kinds of things and upcoming shows. Just remember that to make a difference, It has to start with one person at a time, and that one person can be you. Thanks so much for joining us, and have a blessed day wherever you are. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.